Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John 4. If you're a guest with us, we started working through the Gospel of John a few weeks ago, and we begin chapter 4 today. Um, this is last week's water because I actually left my water on that on that counter back there behind um, behind Tony and, and his daughters. Um, up to sixty percent of our body is composed of water. We, we need this stuff to survive. Water is an essential thing in life. You can live about three to four weeks without food, but you can't last more than three or four days without water you will shrivel up and die. I like to run, or well, I tolerate running because I need it for, for, for my health. Um, some days I like it, other days I, I just wanna go home and cry. Um, I'm not very good at running, um, but, but it's something I try to do at least a couple times a week. Um, and you know, if, when I'm running, if I don't have water, it's hopeless. I, I cannot run without water. Um, I can't guarantee if I'm running without water, I I will even make it to the end of my goal. Um, A friend of mine I I know runs a lot. He he runs like a thousand miles a year. Um, And and what he'll do is when he goes on a long run through his community, he'll drive the route first and he'll hide bottles of water in the bushes so that as he's running, he can stop and get a drink and keep going. I think he goes back later and gets them, so I don't think he's polluting or anything, but... um, Other than oxygen, there's arguably nothing more important to our survival than water. And we know scientifically as well, water is composed of oxygen. But um, if you drill down deep in the Gospel of John, you can find water in a lot of places. Probably the most famous one is today, um, in this moment we're going to look at. So John 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 24. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea, departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is, in the, is the place where we should worship God. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither this man on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Actually, the next two verses as well. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus comes into Samaria. He's sitting at a well there. Um, and a woman walks up. We typically call her the woman at the well. We don't know her name. The woman at the well walks up and she's drawing water. It's the sixth hour. That would have been around noon because they started their day at six o'clock. Um, the, the, she comes up. We don't know her name, but we know several things about her. First, the woman is a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. The Jews and Samaritans hated each other, just hated each other. Understand their history. You know, you have King David. Um, he has a son, Solomon. His son, Solomon, has two sons. They can't decide who's going to be king when Solomon dies, so they just split the nation in half. They both rule on their own throne, one in Jerusalem, one in Samaria. And um, as time goes, the Assyrian army invades the northern kingdom where Samaria is. They take them into exile. Babylon comes and does that with the southern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, when they get taken over, they begin to intermarry with the people who conquered them. So that's where you get the Samaritans, people who are half pagan people who came in and destroyed the country and half Jewish, that they intermarry with those people. Um, so, so Jews view these people very badly. They view them as you intermarried with the enemy. Judah goes into exile, returns, and Jerusalem is reestablished, and the Jews now hate the Samaritans. You notice verse 4. Notice that word, and he had to pass through Samaria. He had to do this. Jesus was on a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Understand that um, they're, they're right here, and Samaria is right here in the middle. Now, most Jews of the day hated Samaria so much, they would actually make a longer trip and go around Samaria to get to Jerusalem, to, to get to Judea. They would bypass Samaria and 
It says Jesus now just had to go through Samaria. This is something like, um, I know that Georgia and Georgia Tech's kind of, a, kind, of a, um, kind of a rivalry here. In Kentucky, that's the case with Kentucky and Louisville and Kentucky and Tennessee. Kentucky fans hate Tennessee fans. Um, and so this would be something like a Kentucky fan hating Tennessee so much that when they come to Georgia, they actually bypass Tennessee and go through Missouri and Arkansas and Alabama into Georgia. Like that's how big of a difference of a trip this is. So this woman's a Samaritan, Jesus is a Jew. Secondly, obviously from her name, this woman is female, Jesus is male. This was a society where men were the authority. Women were seen almost as second-class citizens, honestly. They couldn't even testify in court at this time. It's very strange in this time for Jesus, a rabbi, to be speaking alone with a woman who's not his wife. But he's going to change the way that Jewish men relate to Jewish women. Thirdly, the woman is empty. Jesus is full. John tells us that this is about the sixth hour, that's noon. Um, why is that a big deal? Well, if you've ever worked outside or, or in South Georgia, been outside for five seconds at noon, it's hot. It's very hot. So understand this woman's carrying this big water jar. She's walking a long way to a well at noon in the heat to draw water. Most women of the time did this much earlier. They did it at the crack of dawn when it's not as hot. It was something like um, the, the way women socialize at a beauty parlor today. They, they did that at the well back in this day. They would walk to the well together. They would pass around all the town gossip. They would get their water. They would go home. This woman doesn't go with those women. Why? Well, we have a woman going at an abnormal hour. We learn that later as Jesus talks to her that this woman is not an upright person. She, she's not. She's had multiple husbands, and she's currently shacked up with some guy who's not her husband. In this society, she's an outcast. The other women of the town would look at her and say, Ugh, I don't want to associate with that woman. Think about what this means. In a world where women were insignificant, Jesus talks to a woman. In a world where Jews hated Samaritans, Jesus talks to a Samaritan. In a world where no one wants to be around this woman, Jesus meets her at a well and has probably the most important conversation of her life with her. You nor anybody else are too far gone for Jesus, no matter your race, no matter your religion, no matter your sin. So they have this conversation. She sits down there, and it says Jesus is tired. Verse um, I lost my spot. Somewhere in there, first few verses says Jesus is tired because he's a, um, he's, a, he's a human man. He's fully God, yet he's fully man. He's tired. So he looks at the woman and says, uh, it's verse 6, he's wearied. I was looking for the word tired. That's why I didn't find it. So Jesus wearied from his journey. He says, can I have a drink? Hey, you're drawing water. Just give me, just give me a little cup. Give me one of those little throwaway paper cups. Um, and, and she's taken aback by this. Why would you ask me for a drink? You're a Jew. We don't know if she could tell that he was a Jew from his skin color or maybe his outfit or, or whatever, but, but he says, you're a Jew. Like, this would be like an American going to Saudi Arabia and going to a well and saying, hey, give me a drink. 
This would be like a Jewish person going to Germany and asking for a drink from a Nazi. Like, that, that's the difference here. She says, like, why do you ask, how is it you ask me for a drink? And Jesus just immediately turns the conversation to the things of God. He doesn't even lose a moment. He just turns it to the things of God. That's one of the, um, that, that's one of the best things for when you talk to people about your faith. You've got to find a way to take the normal and turn it into the spiritual. If you just literally jump into it and say, hey, let me tell you about how you can pray a prayer and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior right now. Amen. Like, that, that, that's going to come off as a sales pitch. Jesus takes a normal conversation about water and he turns it into an evangelistic conversation. He says, look, if you, knew, if you knew what God gives and who I am, you would have asked me for water. You'd be giving your bucket to me and saying, hey, fill this thing up. He says, I've got living water. I have water that is living. What is that? Well, it's a different kind of water than what she's drawing out of this well. That water isn't living. There's going to be something different about this water, this water Jesus has. She, and she looks at him, and he says this about living water, and she's asking the obvious question, um, you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to give me water? Like, like, you don't even have a bucket to draw that water. How are you going to give me that water? She's not understanding it yet. She still thinks Jesus is talking about this kind of water. He's not. He's talking about something else. Jesus says, actually she says, you don't, this is our, this is Jacob's well. This is uh, our, our ancestor's well. Do you think you have better water than, than our ancestor Jacob, the one who founded Israel? you think you have better water than him? Like Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, you know. He was the equivalent of someone like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, except even more than that, the way we respect them, that these people would have held Jacob up even higher because he's their ancestor. You know, one of my friends in elementary school claimed that he was like five generations and one generation over from Abraham Lincoln, but that's the only person I've ever known that was in any way related to anybody in history like that, everybody in this day could take their, line, their lineage back to Jacob. And Jesus basically says, yeah, I'm greater than Jacob, and I have greater water than he does. I've got better water. Jesus says, the water, in, the, the water that I have is never the, the water you're drawing from that well is going to make you thirsty again. You're going to need more of it in a, in a few minutes. But the water I give you will quench your thirst forever. You will never again be thirsty. You will have all that you need in the water I'm going to give you. No, the water I'm going to give you will become like a spring in you, and it will never stop running with water. It will run for eternity in eternal life. It will run forever. And she hears that, and she says, Sir, give me that water. And Jesus says, Okay, okay, you want the water? Let's get to work then. We've we, we got some things we've got to sort out before you get that water. Um, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And now you're with a man who isn't your husband. You're on number six. This is why I'm offering you the water. 
This is why I had to go through Samaria to give you this water, because you're trying to quench your thirst with something that won't do it. What had happened was she had bought into the culture of, of the day that said, you know, if you, culture of our day as well, that, you know, you need a man to complete you. If you don't have a man, you'll never be happy. And so she got married. She sought satisfaction and joy from that man. She, thought, sought, thought, she sought a complete life from that man, and he never seemed to fill her up. And when she wasn't filling, when he wasn't filling her up, he, she, she divorced him and left. Said, I, I guess he's not my soulmate. I'll go find another one. So she finds a second one, marries him. Maybe he'll do for me what man number one didn't. And so she spends some time with him. Maybe this will work, and it doesn't. She is not satisfied by this second man. And so she leaves him as well. And she goes and finds a third man. Maybe number three will do for me. Maybe he's my soulmate. Maybe he'll do for me what one and two didn't do. And he doesn't. And so she leaves him and goes and finds number four. And number four doesn't satisfy her either. So she goes and finds number five. And he doesn't do it. So, so she leaves him. And may, maybe she just decides, maybe it's marriage. Maybe I should just move in with a guy. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll satisfy my soul. So that's what she does. And it's apparently not going so well either. She has a thirst. And she's trying to satisfy that, but she's trying to do it with salt water. She's never going to be satisfied. She's going to continue to be thirsty. This woman is looking for love in all the wrong places. She's never going to find it where she's looking. And Jesus is looking at her and saying, I've got the water you're looking for. I've got the living water. I knew you before you got here today. Your first husband didn't give you satisfaction because he wasn't designed to do so. Your second husband didn't give you satisfaction because he wasn't designed to do so. None of those men can satisfy you. You've been going to these men trying to fill your water jar, and you don't even realize that I'm the only one who can do that for you. She's searching for the water that her soul craves. But she was created, as all of us were, to first and foremost know God and glorify Him. And she's trying to find that in these men. She gets what Jesus is doing, so she tries to change the subject, as you'll often find people do when you're sharing your faith with them. And she just decides to ask Him a theological question. Hey, um, you're a prophet, so I've, I've been thinking about this question all morning. Can you help me out? Um, my ancestors worshipped here on this mountain, but the Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. Which one is it? What's your interpretation? And Jesus doesn't let the conversation get bent off. He just answers the question and gets back to it. He says, look, um, the, the location doesn't really matter. One is coming who will, true, who will bring true worship to the world. You'll worship in spirit and in truth, verse 24. You will worship in spirit and in truth, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but, but in spirit and in truth. That is, through the spirit, based on the Holy Spirit's work in your life, you can't worship God if, you don't have the, if you're not truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And in truth... That is genuine worship. Worship according to God's word. It's no longer about a particular location. 
Absolutely, we're commanded to gather at a local church and worship and fellowship and hear preaching, which is what we're doing right now. We're commanded to do that. But now we have the ability as well to worship God fully wherever we are. That's out in your field or at your house or wherever. And he answers her question and she's just amazed. Verse 25, she says, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says, I'm the one. I'm he. I'm the one your entire Old Testament talks about. I'm the one who in Genesis 3.15 is going to crush the head of the devil. I am the one who is going to sit at the right hand of God, Daniel chapter 7. I'm the one who is going to rule over all the nations as king, including Samaria, Psalm 110. I'm greater than Jacob, I'm greater than Abraham, I'm greater than Moses and David. I'm the one who's going to bear your griefs and your suffering, Isaiah 53. I'm the one who's going to proclaim liberty to the captives, Isaiah 61. I'm the one who's going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit within you, Ezekiel 36. That's the one standing in front of you offering you water. So what's the woman do? We'll take a look at... 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman because he wasn't supposed to be doing that. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town, said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and and were coming to him. Notice that detail. She leaves her water jar. She carried this big thing all morning up to this well and set it here and was drawing water out to fill it up. And he's just given her the living water, the the message of living water. And she leaves her water pot and runs into town. She doesn't need it anymore. She's going to get thirsty, you know, for regular water, obviously, but, but she's been trying to fill her water pot with men. She's been trying to fill her water pot with the things of the world, and it has not satisfied her, and she leaves it behind and goes to proclaim Jesus to the city. For her entire life, she has been seeking to fill her soul with the love of men, and she's had to continue coming back to that well because she always came away empty. Maybe some of you. You may be like this woman and you're trying to fill your water pot with the love of other people. Maybe the love of sex. Maybe an addiction to pornography. Maybe you're, you're trying to fill your water pot with more and more money. Oh, if I just had one more dollar, I'd be satisfied. Give me more money. Give me more money. Maybe you're continually taking selfies and and trying to get more and more likes on social media. And I can just tell you, there's not enough likes on Facebook or hearts on Instagram or interaction on TikTok to satisfy your soul. You're always going to need more. You're trying, maybe you're trying to fill it with something good, like your kids or your grandkids. They're wonderful. I have a son. He's a, a joy of my life, but he cannot satisfy my soul. And don't put that on them. They can't bear that. Maybe you're doing it with alcohol. You know, the alcohol commercials always make it look like drinking will be this really fun thing. They never show later when the dude's throwing up in the bathroom. Like, there's nothing good that comes from that. You can try and fill that water jar with all kinds of things, but you're going to have to keep 
coming back. You're never going to be filled up. You're always going to be seeking more. You're always going to be empty. And Jesus says to you, I've got the water you're looking for. If you drink of this water, you will never be thirsty again. This woman leaves her water pot because she's finally found it full and no longer needs it. She begins to run and tell everybody, hey, hey, hey you, hey, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Come see the Messiah. I've found him. She calls this guy, hey, come check this dude out. Maybe she goes and gets all five of her former husbands and the dude she's living with. Hey, come check out the guy who has finally given me the satisfaction I tried to find in you morons. Like, come on, let's see him. When you truly encounter Jesus, he will begin to fill up every part of your life. He's going to be a big deal for you. You know, many Christians come to church and talk about Jesus here and then never bring him up throughout the week. I just, I'm saddened by that. When you truly encounter Jesus, he will become a regular part of your everyday conversations. He will. The woman runs out in the street and starts telling all the people there in the village about Jesus. Is Jesus a regular part of your conversations? If you can make it through an entire week and never think any thought of Jesus other than when you're here at church, what are you finding satisfaction for your soul in other than Him? Come fill your water jar with Jesus. When you do that, your life will be transformed to, to where Jesus regularly becomes a part of your everyday conversation. The woman didn't have to take a class at the local synagogue to learn how to talk about her faith. She just met Jesus. We, we see Jesus talk to his disciples, 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. It's food for Jesus and it's food for those who know him to, 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 to announce what he's done for us, to tell other people about what he's done for us, to talk about the king who saved us. It is food for our soul. We feast on it. Have you met Jesus? Because you talk about the things that are important to you. I don't have to make you talk about your grandkids. You talk about them. I don't have to make you talk about your favorite sports team. You talk about it. I don't have to make you talk about what you saw on Facebook. You talk about it. Why don't you talk about Jesus? He should be the most interesting thing in your life. If you've met Jesus, understand it will radically change your life, your affections, your ambitions, your conversations. It will fill you up with a spring of water that will never run out. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, I told, he told me everything that I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This whole city is affected by one woman. One woman drinking of the living water. It springs up and spreads out to the entire city. They all came and saw Jesus and learned that he was the Savior of the world. 
Think of what could happen in South Georgia, in Chula, in Tifton, in Tai Tai, in Osceola, in Adel, and, and, and all the way around. When we truly find Jesus as satisfying, it will change our lives, and collectively it will change the world. Jesus is not just some magical word you say to, to, to take care of fire insurance for when you die. That, that, that is certainly a benefit of him, but that which will, he's that which will satisfy your soul beyond anything you could possibly imagine in this life and for eternity. Hear the words of Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. When you come and drink the water Jesus gives you, he will satisfy the longings of your heart. And you will, have the pur- you will have purpose in your life that you so desperately are looking for. And as with this woman, people around you will begin to see that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Now, Father, we, we think of the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, I pray that everyone here has tasted that, and if they haven't, they would come running to that water. Lord, I pray that you would show us more and more of yourself, that we would continually taste that you and see that you are good, that we would come to the well and leave the rest behind. Know that our joy is going to flow like a, like a spring of water that goes on forever. Oh, God, fill us with that joy. Make us new. Father, I pray that you will go with us this week and help us to to be satisfied in Christ and not seek satisfaction in any other thing because it will never measure up. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.